This is the official podcast of Elamir, where we have conversations with B2B storytellers about how they go about doing what they do. So how's it going today? What have you, where, how's life in, where are you in San Francisco? Yeah, in San Francisco, it's been raining nonstop here. Uh, nice. I think we're on week three of consistent rainfall, so <laughs> I'm ready people, for it to end. People always talk about how amazing the weather is on the West Coast, and then I hear that all the time, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty good on the East Coast, too, compared to that. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's pros and cons to West Coast <laughs> living, I guess. Fair enough. Um, well, cool. I'm really excited to talk to you today. This is going to be fun. I know we've, we've, we've worked together a fair amount sort of on and off over the years. Um, and excited to, you know, talk about some things more formally on this, on this podcast. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll get started. Just kind of, if you don't mind, just introing yourself briefly, kind of what you do now, what your role is. Sure. So I'm a content marketing manager, at Grammarly for our business line. So selling our Grammarly business product to enterprises. And then previously I was working at Qualia real estate software company, which is where I spent some time working on projects with you also in a content marketing function. Yeah. And I want to jump right in. We talked last time, you know, last time we had a conversation about this idea of thought leadership and the content that you you know, that you make around that, I guess maybe at Qualia or, or maybe it's more relevant in your role now at Grammarly, but can you talk about what that means for you? Like what, what do you mean by thought leadership and, and what kinds of content does that look like? Yeah. So both at Qualia and at Grammarly use thought leadership as a top of funnel marketing initiative. So that's all about capturing the interest of your prospects and putting some sort of valuable content in front of them. So Typically, it's engaging someone internally in your organization who has some knowledge about a particular topic, an influencer in the space that you have a close relationship with that's willing to speak to a topic, or often one of your customers that is knowledgeable about a particular topic. And then that person can offer true insight and value to your prospects um, and just offer fresh meaning to either a buzzworthy topic in the space or raise awareness of something that people may not even know about yet. Uh, yeah. So some sort of innovative thing happening in the industry that your company wants to be a part of the discussion. Yeah. Um, can, can you give, sorry to cut you off there. Can you give like some examples of like, of what you mean with, with as it relates to Qualia maybe? Sure. So, at Qualia, um, we, I joined to create our thought leadership platform. So that started as blog content. And then we eventually built that into the future of real estate summit, which was a thought leadership conference where we brought in experts from across the industry to talk about topics that were relevant to Qualia. Um, so Qualia was all about solving, uh, real estate transactions, making them simpler so we brought in thought experts who had different opinions about how to go about that um, from a variety of different angles. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I obviously I've been to the conference and it was, you know, you guys did a great job with the conference, but it is interesting just the idea of like, 
putting out content that's actually helpful <laughs> to people is as a marketing technique. I guess like, can you talk more about what, what you like about this as a strategy? Like what kind of success have you seen? Maybe you have like metrics or, or you have like, you know, some sort of like measure of success, but like, why do you like this as a, as a content strategy? I particularly like content mark or thought leadership as a content marketing strategy because, um, I have a background in journalism and it's really akin to that in the sense of it allows me to get super curious about the industry I'm working in and uncover new things happening in the space by way of talking to experts. Um, and then that curiosity really translates into storytelling and translates to the audience's curiosity often about the same topic. So it ends up being really authentic content that, I find interesting and then our prospects find interesting. So we had a lot of success with the future of real estate summit and often have a lot of success with blog content that uses thought leadership as the anchor um, because people actually want to consume it and, and learn the same things that I'm curious about um, because it, it often solves a business challenge for them that they're seeking anyway. It also is a really authentic way to connect with your customers a lot of times people want to engage customers for case studies, which is awesome mid to bottom of funnel content, but it's easier to build those relationships with customers if you offer them platforms for thought leadership so they can build their own brand um, and sort of build that relationship over time. Uh, thought leadership content is an awesome way to start building those relationships in a meaningful way with your customers. So what does that look like for you? Like That's an interesting point because I think a lot of our... Um, the content that I see when people think of thought leadership is often like the company's talking about itself. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we know this, and then they're putting this out into the world. But what you just said is is slightly different than that. What you said, it's, it's a great way to engage your customers. So I wonder what you mean by that. Like, like what does that mean to give them a platform for thought leadership or for their ideas? Yeah. So I often, I think before you engage customers and give them opportunities for thought leadership, you want to have really clear guardrails about what conversations you want to be a part of. Um, so I often think about personifying your product or offering. So what would that product or offering look like as a person? <laughs> and often that's actually just taking the value propositions of what your product offers and then pulling it back. So taking that utility and then pulling back, like what's the underlying motivation for offering that feature. Um, and then in that sense, you can start to get topics that then your customers have some expertise in. So for example, if um, you your product offers workflow efficiency, for example, then you might bring in a thought expert who can talk about how they operationalize their team and built really effective workflows from an admin perspective. And they can offer that best practice. And they can even subtly talk about your tool and how, how they used your tool to do that without having them detail a case study where they have to go through metrics around their success using your product yeah. in a way they may not feel comfortable doing yet um, yeah. until you've built that relationship. I love that idea because it it's almost like the sleight of hand in that is talking about product it's like obviously you know you if you're there's a customer speaking it, it is nice that they say good things about products but it's not first and foremost and it gives value back to the customer which is 
which is really, really interesting. And like you said, probably builds meaningful relationships, but it also requires, and this is something you and I have like talked about and connected on. It requires a, a good interview. (laughs) It requires somebody who knows how to engage somebody and like, think about what they want to say and listen and have an open mind. So I guess, can you talk about your background with interviewing and like, I'm also curious when you, if you see and when you see, uh, you know, content strategies that you look at and don't see great interviews, what the shortcomings are of that. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll start with like, talk about your background in journalism and interviewing and how you approach that. Yeah. Um, so my formal education is in journalism. My, I have an undergrad in, in journalism. Um, I think the thing people often get wrong with interviews is they want to come in themselves being the expert. So they often ask questions they already know the answer to. I think the best interviews are those where you give the interviewee the opportunity to share an idea or an insight that doesn't exist out in the world yet. And often that means boiling, actually going back to basics. So, you know, oftentimes you want to interview a thought expert about a trend in the space. So having them even just define key terms, a buzz term that you've been hearing, have them break it down into the simplest components can oftentimes open up really interesting insights. And then I think another thing people often get wrong is they stick to the script. So they aren't willing to go outside the box and get curious during the interview process because they're nervous and they don't want to ask dumb questions. <laughs> um, so giving yourself permission to ask dumb questions, to ask really <laughs> simple questions can yeah. often open up really interesting answers and lead you down a path you weren't expecting. So I think asking open-ended questions that allow the interviewee to really be expansive in their response rather than uh, bottling up the question in a way that only gives them space to answer it in the way that you've heard that response from some other yeah. thought expert or like getting, asking the question in the way that you can only get one answer and just that one answer you wanted. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think that happens though? Like, like boiling down, like, like in, in an interview, like you mentioned, maybe they're nervous or insecure. Like what, what else is happening? Like, why do, why do people make that mistake? I think oftentimes, especially with marketing where you have business objectives, you really want that interviewee to get to the heart of what you view as a brand. But I think oftentimes that just leads to an echo chamber of the same content that's already out there. And you're not really delivering anything new or insightful for your audience. And then you just become part of the white noise. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, it, it can be a little risky to give your interviewee permission to sort of expand beyond how, you know, they're going to answer, but it can often lead to really interesting content and insight. Yeah. That's interesting. It is. It's definitely like, cause like my background as a filmmaker, I definitely recognize like your in working with you seeing, I, I recognize that your ability to do that and like, it's definitely something I strive to do. Like even as we interview, you know, I'm, I'm conscious of these, these things. Uh, but like, yeah, it's really interesting. I wonder like, what is the one thing I always think about with interviews is 
you don't know how it could have gone. And I always feel like there's, there's obviously the kind of, you know, the, like you said, you don't want to, you want to be seeking new ideas. But I think one thing that I recognize with folks when they do a lot of interviews that is they just don't know what could have happened. There's so much possibility whenever you speak to someone. So, and that just excites me. <laughs> it's just cool. So I wonder, like, I don't know if I have a question here, except like, can you talk more about that moment of like taking a risk with a conversation or taking a risk with, with an interview and why you enjoy doing that or, or what that emotion is? Yeah. I think often when you have those moments where you get those new insights, it's an aha moment for me as a marketer where then I'm like, Oh, there's 10 other stories I can spin out of this. Yeah. There's a way we can connect this back to our product in a really interesting way. Um, and so then in those instances, I think the excitement is really about how do I translate that for an audience and help them have yeah. the same aha moment where they're understanding our product in a new way or understanding the industry in a new way that inspires them to invest in new technology or whatever you're, you're selling as a brand in a, yep. in a way that feels more authentic than just pushing your product. That's um, cool. And then also I think what's really exciting is when you have a good conversation with somebody and then you, it opens the door for 10 more stories with that person or an opportunity for them to participate in an onstage presence or a webinar down the line. And then you have this, panel of experts at your disposal where you've built relationships with them and had interesting conversations with them where they feel excited to participate. But if it feels canned and if it feels stale and like every other interview they're doing, they're not going to yeah. want to participate or be as eager because it doesn't give them the opportunity to really be creative and share their point of view in an authentic way. Yeah. And like have fun with someone. It's totally, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, now running this company and I, I have to do a lot of sales, obviously. Um, well, all of what you just described is super useful in selling too. And I, I never thought of myself as a salesperson, but it's interesting hearing you talk and realizing like that, like listening, <laughs> listening and being able to ask good questions is a really good sales tool and not in like a sneaky way. It's just like, it shows that you care and it shows that you want to know and want to help, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think thought leadership is such a powerful way to connect with your customers by giving them opportunities to connect with you and with your team in a meaningful way where it feels more human. I think we're trying to automate everything and uh, push out, you know, demand gen like emails to our prospects. But if you can build real relationships with your customers and with your prospects and give them opportunity to engage with your brand in industry conversations. That's really powerful. Yeah. And on that point, it just made me think of, uh, what's your take? Have you used chat chat GPT yet for content? <laughs> I haven't used it in my role, but I have played around with it. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Um, it is wild. I know yeah. what, it, what, 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 I mean, I've used it for a little bit, just playing around with it. What do you think of it? Like, like, are you going to use it? You think? I think there's use cases for it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's totally in line with the bigger conversations around 
is technology going to take over our roles? I don't think so. I think our skill sets are just going to evolve. Yeah. So I think there's areas where a tool like that could potentially take over part of my role where I don't have to write sort of rudimentary, I don't know, SEO posts or something. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's going to take over my job. Yeah. You also, the reason I thought of it is it also misses out on the, the opportunity to connect with, with customers. Like if you were, if you were trying to generate ideas using tools like that, you would miss out on the potential of the conversation with the customer and the relationship that that builds, which I think it can be tempting to like sit, sit in a room and come up with stuff, particularly when you have cool tools like that. But I think there's a downside I've used it though. And it's amazing. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely going to use it when, when I can, <laughs> or when I, when I need to, I guess. Yeah. Well, it also, I think how chat GPT works is it just sources from the internet. So it goes back to, okay, then you're just sort of participating in the echo chamber of what already exists out there, just yeah. sourcing from existing insights on the web. Yeah. Whereas if you actually engage in a meaningful interview and conversation, it's probably not going to be something that already exists. Yeah. So you're creating that new insight, whereas yeah. the AI feature probably isn't. <laughs> unless, unless your customer learned it from chat GPT and then, then we're all, we're all screwed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, so, all right. Once you have these awesome insights, you know, you're like doing this interview and you've got these aha moments and you've had a great conversation. <clears throat> you still have to create a story from that. Like you still have to know what to look for, you know, structure it in a way that makes sense to people. So from that interview to, let's say you're writing a blog post or, or whatever exactly you're doing, like, how do you go about creating the, the structure and the narrative arc for that content you've just collected? Yeah. So again, I think it's really important to have guardrails around what types of conversations you're having as it relates yeah. to thought leadership before you enter into those interviews. But um, I think the first step is looking back at your business objectives. What are you trying to accomplish with that piece of content um, and making sure you're driving towards that in the ultimate culmination of, of that narrative arc. Yeah. Um, so getting really clear about that from the beginning, uh, is important so that the content can deliver on its goals. And then I'll also say part of crafting a story involves going back to your team and looking around corners <laughs> to make sure that what you're saying is in line, you know, especially with thought leadership, a lot of it is forward future looking. So making sure that what this thought leader is saying is aligned with where your business is headed. Yeah. So having good relationships with product and engineering and the comms team to understand is this what this person saying, is it aligned with what we believe as a brand? And if it's not, you probably don't want to go there or maybe go back and, and tweak some things and, and get some alignment there. Um, but overall, I think Crafting a story starts with really clear understanding of your business objectives, what you want to accomplish with the content piece. And thought leadership is usually top of funnel. So you'll want to think about how does this story then allow our sales reps to reach out to this person after they consume this piece of content and continue the, the, the conversation in a way that 
drives them towards the mid to bottom of funnel where an eventual sale happens. If that's your objective, if your objective is just brand awareness and getting your name out there, then you have a lot more freedom to just expansively participate in a conversation and not have any goals attached to it other than just making sure it's aligned with your overall brand and mission statement. Um, So I think that's kind of where I start is with the business objectives and making sure there's this clear path towards whatever the ultimate goal is with the piece of content. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's really, uh, it's interesting to hear all of the kind of considerations that go into, um, creating any one piece of content. I'm like, do you ever, do you ever just get overwhelmed by all those things to keep in mind? <laughs> like, do you ever, are you ever just like, you know, this is like, this is stifling in a way having to think about all those different business goals, brand limitations, you know, you had this great moment with somebody, but now you're limited by all of these different factors. Like, is that ever just like, wow, this is, why am I doing this? <laughs> um, there's probably times when I felt that way, but I think for the most part, the parameters force you to be more creative in terms yeah. of how you can solve against those and also helping the team, you know, presenting them with a really interesting piece of content and saying, how can we you know, mold this to fit our narrative or whatever our objectives are, people can get more excited about it. Um, So I think, yes, it can feel limiting, but if you view the challenge as a creative opportunity, then it can be kind of fun. Yeah. That's an interesting point. And something that I was, it's, it's interesting to hear you say, and definitely resonates with me. One thing I thought as a filmmaker going into like B2B content, you know, when I first was like getting into it to, to pay the bills as I was making my weird art films is like, I thought I was thinking, God, this is going to be just like no creativity whatsoever, but it is kind of the opposite. I think we talked about the idea of like B2C being almost less creative sometimes. Um, but can you talk about the creativity that like in this space, like, do you feel like you have a lot of creative rain or like, do you feel like your, the creative side of your brain is being, you know, stimulated by this kind of work. Like, is this, and then like, why, if so? Yeah. Well, I think humans are humans. So traditionally people would create business content in a really stale format. And now we're starting to see people create entertaining content for business professionals to engage them. So I think it's a fun business challenge to think about how can I turn sort of a stale topic into a compelling piece of content that entertains in a sense, maybe not, you know, like Netflix or (laughs) something along those lines, but at least you're learning something and you're feeling engaged with the content. I think that's a really fun creative challenge versus contributing to all of the white noise out there in the consumer space that is how do we how do we capture people's attention in a space that's already really distracting and limited in b2b marketing i don't think a ton of people are doing it that well so there's more creative opportunity to do it well and capture that interest so i i think it in some ways can be more creative because there's not as many competitors out there doing it well. Yeah. I know, uh, 
I won't say too much on it, but I can relate to that in the video world. <laughs> there's, there's a whole wide range of stuff out there. Does, yeah, that's interesting. I think the other thing for me is it's, it's fun when there's a really clear objective and like with B2B, it's, it's not so abstract as like selling sneakers. <laughs> it's like very clear what the value add for a business is, what their pain is, why they're behaving the way they, they are. And then, so as like a storyteller or whatever, you have a really clear end goal, which is kind of unique in the arts. Cause oftentimes it's, it's the opposite. Like I'm making a art film right now on the side and there's no clear, there's no clear end, you know, it's not, obvious. Yeah. um, I wonder if you feel that way with your work or, you know, if that resonates with you. Yeah, I definitely, I think we spend the majority of our day doing work. And so there's a really big human element in our day-to-day -day work. So yeah. what I really appreciate about your team is when we were working with you to build those video stories, you really got to the human element yeah. of the business. So you're interviewing people about their business challenges, but really getting to the heart of what it means to be a human trying to accomplish yeah. these things. Yeah. So I think that's a really interesting and fun part about B2B marketing is there is almost more of a human element because this is what people are doing in their day to day totally. and it's frustrating and it's challenging and we're helping them solve that. So yeah. there's a really human element to B2B storytelling that isn't always present in consumer marketing because it is a little more abstract. Yeah. And it matters more. Like, like if you're talking about someone's business and it's their livelihood, it's like what they do with their life and how they are able to afford their life, which matters a lot. <laughs> like that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is cool. So what does it mean to you to tell a story? Like what does storytelling mean to you? Gosh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Yeah. You wanted an open-ended question. So there you go. <laughs> um, I think storytelling is all about getting to the emotional root of something. So that's, I mean, really building off what I just mentioned is in B2B marketing, storytelling is all about getting to that underlying emotional motivation. Yep. And I think when you tell a really good story, it's really about what it means to be a human being. Yeah. So when you can uncover that, it's really powerful. And um, it's, it's fun to try to uncover that in a really non-emotional space, which is business. Yeah. Um, again, it's a creative challenge, but I think when you can get there, the storytelling is really, is really fun. Totally. Yeah. It is funny that, I mean, I obviously come at it from a very, you know, my background being in filmmaking, I'm going to be biased towards emotion and towards storytelling, like obviously. Um, but still like, it's funny that people always take this assumption that business is not like a, like a human driven <laughs> world, like as if the companies themselves weren't designed by humans and, you know, yeah, yeah like sales, so sales calls is all about like, you know, controlling the emotion and. And it, yeah, it's just so interesting. So I agree. I, I think, I think it's, it's interesting. I do, I do 
find in B2B storytelling though, like metrics are still really important and like fitting that, you know, fitting really clear transactional pieces inside of a story is really, really important because you don't want to just miss, even if it's a strong emotion, you don't want to miss completely why, why we're all in the room, you know? So it's like, it's a balance, I guess. No, absolutely. And I think finding ways to integrate that in a way that, that feels natural and feels true is a hard skill to learn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is a hard skill. It's, it's also one thing that, that I try to like, I guess, remind people as I go throughout my work is like being able to tell a story that works and holds together and feels authentic is, is true. Like a legitimately a hard skill in that, like, it's like being a software engineer. You have to, you really have to practice it. You have to like do it a lot. You have to be sort of trained in it and then you get better over time. You know, like you just have to do it a lot. So it's always funny. Like when clients are always really surprised that, you know, somebody made, made a good story or you write a really good blog post. It's like, yeah, well, this is my skill. <laughs> this is what you do, you know? Yeah. I mean, and content marketing, that's the joy of content marketing is everyone thinks they're a content marketer. And yeah. I think, you know, there are really good storytellers in your business that you can help position themselves to be great storytellers, but it's not necessarily an innate skill set in terms yeah. of developing a piece of content that hits on business objectives, tells a compelling story and, you know, connects with your audience. So it's definitely a skill, but there's most businesses have lots of, lots of storytellers within their organization that if they can tap into that in an effective way, then they have limitless content. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I think that covers a lot. Is there anything else you want to add about thought leadership and content and stories and <laughs> ch- chat GPT. Uh, I just hope chat GPT doesn't take over content marketing, but I don't <laughs> think it will. No, it was really fun to talk to you. And um, yeah, I hope we can work together soon in the future. Yeah. Now that I'm gearing up into this new role, hopefully yeah. there's opportunities to come. Let's make it happen. <laughs>